Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and of course, this is my co-host. Now we gotta whisper it. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today we are both very excited to be talking to you about a brand new movie. And we should say that we spoil these, so if you haven't seen it yet, don't listen to us talk about it. Come back after you've seen it. But the Disney Plus exclusive Werewolf by Night. This Halloween, you can't escape the shock, the terror of Werewolf by Night. Tonight... It is every hunter for themselves. Good luck. I'll be rotting for you. But one of you is a monster masquerading as one of our own. I can't wait to find out what breed of evil you are. Please don't do this. Death is coming for you! Werewolf by Night. Do you have a synopsis for us, Mr. Huddleston? I do. So this one is directed by Michael, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Giancino. And it stars Gael Garcia Bernal, Laura Donnelly, and Harriet Sansom Harris. And the synopsis is, on a dark and somber night, a secret cabal of monster hunters emerge from the shadows and gather at the foreboding Bloodstone Temple following the death of their leader. In a strange and macabre memorial to the leader's life, the attendees are thrust into a mysterious and deadly competition for a pal- powerful relic, a hunt that will ultimately bring them face to face with a dangerous monster. Yeah. All right. So, the, yeah, it just says hit on October 7th on Disney Plus. So, what did yeah. you think? Um, well, uh, let's, let's start wide. Uh, it's an hour long, so it's not a full length feature film. It's a mm-hmm. sort of a, they have a new tag thing that they do the Marvel like special presentation. And mm-hmm. do you remember um, back when we were kids, there was like, if I can find it, I'll insert it, but it's like, they did an eighties TV. I love that. Special pre- I love, I got so excited when that mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. Um, and this, I think this very clearly is meant to kind of evoke that they do. It's modern looking. It's got a bunch of vertical stripes and stuff, but um, you, the production value is great. It's shot in black and white. Um, it's interesting because it's, it, it, uh, 
is there source material? Is this like a graphic novel that they've adapted? It feels like so. It. Werewolf by Night was a comic, um, and the creature that they so there was a, a werewolf that was the Werewolf by Night, and also the the creature that they're hunting is called Man Thing. Yeah, I and, recognize Man Thing, and I think he. I don't know which came first, but I think. I mean, I always looked at him as the Marvel version of Swamp Thing. Mm -hmm. I I, I want to say Swamp, you know, somebody, you know, we grew up reading comics, so I feel like I'm, I'm not exactly an expert, but I read all this stuff. But somebody who's more of an expert can tell us which came first, if it was Swamp Thing or Man Thing. But, but I I remember reading some comics with Man Thing in them. So yeah, this is all existing stuff. There's probably other characters in here that are from the marvel lore that i didn't know who they were yeah i felt like that too i think if i'd have known all of that and i might have enjoyed it more um i felt at, at an hour i felt a little bit like i was dropping into something already in progress like this was episode five of something that i you know mm -hmm. we didn't have any time to get to know the lead character the werewolf um, I, I sort of liked that they kept it short and sweet. It looked good. Um, I just, if I'm being completely honest, I found myself not caring that much. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a female protagonist that turns out to be the daughter, the sort of estranged daughter of the deceased guy. That is the, you know, is the sort of female lead to the werewolf's male lead. And I, you know, I I think that we're supposed to care about her almost as soon as we meet her. There's not much time. You know, you, mm -hmm. you have an hour and the thing hits the ground running and they do a setup. And then it sort of concludes at the end. It's a little bit like uh, Battle Royale. I mean, all these monster hunters show up and it turns out they're going to have to fight each other and a monster, Man-Thing, to get this magic gem, the Bloodstone. So you have a sense that it's just going to be, you know, what, like 10 people enter, one person leaves kind of thing. And that's what it is. And an hour, it just clips right along, gets right to it. I don't know. I just... I didn't, I didn't particularly care, mm -hmm. but you liked it. I liked it. So I would say that probably the two strengths for this, for me were, I love the black and white. Uh, the cinematography is outstanding and I love black and white movies. You know, we, we get uh, modern black and white movies here and there, the new Netflix a film about Marilyn Monroe, which I haven't watched, is black and white. Um, we covered The Lighthouse on this show, which is black and white. Yeah. Uh, but I would love to see, you know, black and white works especially well for horror. So I would love to see a couple of big, you know, black and white horror films per year. So I like that. The other thing that I liked is I, for people who have listened to, you know, listen to this podcast regularly, I feel like I'm a broken record with this, but I'm very much in the Marvel fatigue phase where, you know, I, I've criticized Marvel for doing the same things over and over again. So the, I really like the fact that 
they did something very different. You know, this is very much an homage to Universal Monster films, the 40s, 30s and 40s, I guess. Uh, so it, it was refreshing to me to have something that wasn't, um, you know, so much of the Marvel stuff is just you're setting up something for down the road or it's part of some big storyline. And maybe they're setting up something down the road. I don't know. But I, I like that it was this kind of a self-contained story. And it's not even an hour. It's 53 or 55 minutes or something yeah. like that. So I uh, would hope that this is successful enough. I think it would be cool if Marvel would do a Halloween short every October. You know, because I feel like there's enough, oh, you know, yeah. got source material. Yeah, you've got source material. And I mean, Marvel even did Dracula comics, you know, back in the 70s. So you have enough, uh, you know, characters that you could, you know, even if you just did a Doctor Strange, just sort of short. I don't know. Just refreshing to me that it wasn't this giant thing that was, you know, setting up the next five films or whatever right it's there's right. not a whole lot to it it's it's very basic but it it felt they did a really good job and to me of re, of capturing that feel of something from the 1940s yeah i can see that i didn't hate it you know mm -hmm. i just um it could have been a mood thing maybe i just wasn't feeling in the mood for it as i watched it that night but it didn't get its hooks in me, um, you know, and, and it's not that the actors aren't good. The actors are good. Um, I just didn't... all of the production values with it are, are really. Yeah, I felt top notch. Yeah. You know, I just didn't get invested in the characters. And for me, that's kind of a non-starter at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. I mean, the production values, that's the same thing with the Rings of Power. Like, I just. I watched the first. Did you ever episode. watch any more of that? Because I was just reading today oh, where they, somebody else was telling me they that had they the eighth episode. Yeah. yeah, people have been telling me like they really like it. So I do. I kind of want to go back because I want to see. I'm interested in the performance of the actor who plays Sauron. But mm -hmm. the for the I, for watching the first episode, you know, it it doesn't look like the the production values aren't the primary problem with that. Um, all of which is just to say good production value does not an interesting experience on screen for me make. Um, Pardon my ignorance. So in the, you know, cause I watched the movies, but I've never really, I've read a little bit of one of the, one of the books, but you know, I don't, I'm not an expert by any uh, means. So in the, in the Peter Jackson movies, Sauron is just is that just the big eye thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Sauron is a is a person in this or what? Yeah. I mean, I again, I haven't read the source material which is um exhaustive uh which Tolkien wrote later. Um, so they do kind of a backstory on Sauron? Yeah, and okay. it follows, you know, Galadriel played by Kate um Blanchett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the female lead in this is uh Galadriel as a younger elf. And she okay. 
Okay. And I don't remember how long ago. I don't know if it's a thousand years ago or three thousand years ago or six thousand years ago. I guess it's three thousand years ago, but um Sauron had um you know had a, a sort of a more powerful evil, you know, like a Sith Lord above him or whatever. And um in this I think he's taken the form of an elf i think he shows up and again i haven't watched it okay but he sort of is working against them from within and uh i guess at the end it all comes to a head and he reveals himself i don't know if this ends in the battle of uh you know that we see at the beginning of the tolkien movies that peter jackson made or i don't know i haven't watched it but it was Tom. It was Tom Seymour I was talking to the other day, and he's like, I've been watching it, you know, and it kind of got its hooks in me eventually. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll go back and have another look. I In the source material, do they present Sauron? Is Did Tolkien present Sauron as anything other than the big eye thing? Uh, no. No. In in the books, in the, in the three Lord of the mm-hmm. Rings books that he wrote, no. Mm-hmm. Because that's one of those things where I, I mean, that's the whole point is he's trying to re he he did this rig with the rings, right? He gave these rings of power to the sort of leaders of the world at the time, three to the elf lords and I don't know, seven to the dwarves or something like that and Mm -hmm. nine to the men. But, uh, but in secret, he made this one ring of power for himself that to which all of those other rings were sort of bound that would allow him to kind of enslave them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, Isildur in the fight that we see at the beginning of that movie kind of inadvertently chops, chops the ring, chops his fingers off and separates Sauron from the ring. He has mm-hmm. poured so much of himself and his power into this object that when he becomes separated from the ring, he kind of goes. Um, but he's not he's not destroyed. He's just his corporeal form is destroyed. And then the ring kind of goes missing. And where we pick that story up, he's the essence of Sauron that has manifested itself in this kind of tower of Orthanc that is the giant flaming eye. Mm -hmm. You know, is literally and metaphorically looking for the ring because he wants to reunite with the ring. If he can reunite with the ring, he can reassume corporeal form and pick up where he left off, basically. Mm -hmm. It hasn't kept him from raising armies and sort of corrupting the mind of Saruman, who is previously a good guy and a powerful wizard and yeah, we got a little far afield from No, well, no, that's fine. But I so mean, this is this is supposed to be like, oh, these characters you loved in the, the original thing, like here's how they all started when they were it's a it's a huge prequel thing. Um and it it does have source material, but that stuff gets very, I mean, you know, if the Lord of the Rings isn't arch enough for you. Mm-hmm. I can't even, I don't remember how to pronounce this. Sim, Similacricon or uh, Similarion. Similarion? Is that yeah. what it is? Something like, like that. that. Is the history of, 
you know, Middle Earth and the other lands of this universe, this world he created that go way back, way, way back. And and it gets pretty labyrinthine and pretty. Because that's one of my big pet peeves with studios now. I don't have a problem with remakes if they're done well. I don't have a problem with reboots or prequels or sequels or any of that stuff. But on the other hand, the studios just seem obsessed with telling backstories of everything, you know? And there are instances where, especially with villains, you just say, this character is evil. And if you try to explain it, it takes a lot of the power away from it, you know? Or or if like with the movie Joker, which I think is as a standalone movie is very interesting and very well done as an origin character in a realistic world, mm-hmm. you know, in a world where you never have to see the Batman manifested, you're like, how how could we imagine this character actually coming to be in the real world? And I think that's kind of interesting. I don't know that. I think they're going to try and do it, but oh, I don't know. Have we, have we talked about that at all? They, uh, it's they going to happen. Do? Okay. And Lady Gaga is going to be, uh, Harley Quinn. Okay. okay. And the thing is, it's the got same Joaquin Phoenix back to do that. Joaquin Phoenix back, the same director, the same writer. So it, I mean, I, I, are they bringing batman is bruce wayne gonna be haven't said anything about batman but it's going to be i think that could work is if you don't introduce the character of batman i mean sure let him find let him find some sidekick but it's it's the same production team and i i believe in them so it maybe can be good but they have said that i mean it's lady gaga is confirmed as harley quinn and it's going to be either, at, at the very least, there's going to be musical elements to it if it's not just a musical. Mm. So, and I I like the idea of that. I mean, it, it just sounds crazy actually, enough that it might actually, work. Yeah, that's actually interesting. And the r- original movie was so good that, you know, if they brought in a different team, then I would yeah. say, yeah, I don't know about that. And, and but, I know that people had problems with that first movie, but I think if you'd have... Because it's a remake movie. of Taxi Driver, you know, and all that. But I thought it was pretty brilliant. I mean, it's a great, it's a great, great film, in my opinion. Yeah, I think if you had pitched me that movie on paper, I'd have been like, ah, I don't think you can, I don't think it can be done. And they did pull it off. I think... In very large part to Joaquin Phoenix's performance. Oh, yeah. Um, He's fantastic. And that's one of those things where I like what, you know, DC keeps, you know, I think they have a new CEO now or whatever. And they, it seems as if they keep trying to ape what Marvel has done which I think is the wrong way to to go. Just do one-off movies. Well, they've just kind of proven they can't do it. Yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily the wrong way to go, but you guys just keep doing face plants trying to emulate it. So just skip that. And some of them are going to be bad. And that's the thing with comics is you have, yeah, you have all different kind of genres of comics and they, you know, 
they do a million different versions of Batman and the Joker and all that in the comics and just do that. It doesn't have to all tie together. You can have standalone things and and be and, you know, that made a billion dollars. I mean, I I think basically at this point you could just put the Joker on anything and it's going to make money because people want to see that character. Yeah. Um, but but I mean, we know from the Jared Leto iteration of and it's not that Jared Leto is a bad actor, but that was just a singularly unwatchable depiction of the Joker. It was right. Yeah, it's everything it's a, wrong. It was stupid. It was offensive. It was gross. It was right. And you just yeah. think, man. But with this this Joker sequel that it's the same people coming back, I mean, I kind of have fingers crossed at the very least. I think it's going to be really weird, you know, that I you mean, bring... it's like a musical thing. And there's there's dance. You know, he loves Joaquin Phoenix is a dancer, loves to dance, loves to express himself. Through death. Yeah. I I think that might actually be really interesting if it's largely sort of inside their insane fantasy mind a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. That might be the way you make a movie like that. But like you've said, I don't know how you have, and maybe they're, you know, gonna do the kind of anti-Batman film, but I, I don't know how you tie Batman into that. It's such a, I mean, I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine anyone being able to do better with that concept than Christopher Nolan did. Mm-hmm. This idea of like, no, it's it, this it's the real world, but there's a dude who dresses up like a bat and has all these gadgets, you know. Well, I'd argue that the, the Batman, they did. Did you watch the Batman? I did. I, I did thought they did a really it, good job. And I liked that movie. But Batman was the least plausible part of that movie to me. I liked that they made the police hate him. Mm-hmm. Like he'd walk into the room and the cops would be infuriated. This gets a vigilante. He dresses up like a bat. You know, and I I thought that rang true. I, I just it, but it didn't ring so true that I'm like, oh, but it still makes sense that a guy dresses up as a bat. I'm like, well, I don't. Batman doesn't make any sense if he's not a comic book character. And I think, I think Nolan did as close a, to a co- kind of realistic take on what Batman would look like in a non comic book world. Right. Mm-hmm. The world where there isn't a Superman and a Wonder Woman and an Aquaman and a Green Lantern. Right. It's like, well, what if there really was a billionaire that did this? Like, what would that look like? And I, I feel like Christopher Nolan he would be an insane person. God, about as close as you can get. Right. But yeah. Batman isn't mm-hmm. insane. You know, so the emo Batman, I thought it looked really good and I thought it was a really interesting movie, but I never bought Batman in it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, I kind of felt it was the best kind of mix of the sort of Nolan and the and the uh, Tim Burton kind of Batmans with the sort of realistic, but also a kind of noir, you know, vibe to it. I, I like know. the vibe. I like the muscle car Batmobile. I, I, again, the muscle car I, Batmobile. Batmobile. I like cool. almost everything in it. I like that the penguin was just a mobster, you know, with the nickname. And I like that the Riddler was just a serial killer, um, mm-hmm. you know, who took on a persona like the Zodiac killer. Um, 
Yeah, that this dude that dresses like a bat, like if he was a Batman and he was a vigilante and just put on like a black. I mean, even if he had some sort of a cape or something and he didn't dress like a bat, then then that was just a it was all smoke and mirrors. And that was just even if he left like a calling card and he was sort of a crazy serial killer vigilante himself, all of the Punisher, you know, just spray painted a skull on his Kevlar thing. Maybe, but nope, this dude had a bat cave and a bat suit. And think about the it. In the world of this, you're kind of like, what? If you think about it, in real life, it would be Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk. Like, they would be Batman. <laughs> Could you imagine either of those guys being Batman? But the cops yeah. had the truest reaction. You know, they see the commissioner in a crime scene with a dude dressed as a bat. Mm-hmm. And they are, they're like, what the hell is this? What is he doing here? <laughs> yeah. Right? This is a get him out of here. Well, this guy's yeah. nuts. Yeah. And uh, I think that's true. It's like you see him fighting people in the subway and you're like, all right, well, yeah, that would flip them out because it is cuckoo. But th- this is also a guy that wears that suit. Like you wear the Halloween suit <laughs> out in public. <laughs> to yeah no one would take legit that seriously nobody would take it seriously nobody would take it seriously and you wouldn't allow him if you had him in a room full of cops you would arrest him Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah he has committed crimes you know Uh, he's a vigilante yeah yeah he's a good he's he's one of the good guys but still yeah so i mean that's where that movie broke down for me was in that in that that was hyper realism and I'm mm-hmm. just like, in that reality, I don't believe there's a dude that dresses like a bat and doesn't. Mm-hmm. I just don't believe it. So we're so far aflung from I know. the movie that we're watching. It, have you watched anything else recently? No, no. I mean, I never, it's funny, you you asked me this and and I never remember anything that I've seen. And then we we quit recording and I go, oh, I totally watched. I, I, I watched the end of She-Hulk. Oh, you know, I haven't watched a second of that. I would. So be, did did you like how it wrapped up? Uh, not really. Oh, okay. But I like Tatiana Maslany, who is the lead in it, because it's just kind of light, right? Very it's like a sitcom. Very, very light, and she breaks the fourth wall like Deadpool does all the time. So, would you say that? Uh, oh, if, speaking of Dead, have we talked about Deadpool? No. With Wolverine? No. We haven't talked about that. No, I don't know if you know about that or not. So Ryan Reynolds did a he's great on social media. He got uh, did he get um, Hugh Jackman? Jackman, Yeah. So there is I thought I sent that to you. So he did a video where it's like he's trying to he's like, I'm trying to come up with ideas for for Deadpool. And it's like him in the Deadpool costume. And he's like working on a typewriter and he's like on the toilet and all this stuff. And he's like, I can't come up with any good ideas. And then finally, just him, it's supposed to be like in his house. And Hugh Jackman walks, he's like sitting on his couch and Hugh Jackman walks behind him and goes up the stairs. He's like, hey, Hugh, uh, do you want to be in the next Deadpool? He's like, yeah, sure. And that's the video. (laughs) So he's coming, he's going to be in Deadpool 3. Okay. Which is great. I mean, you know. I think those movies are funny. 
he retired and everything but so now there are videos of Hugh Jackman like working out and and I saw a really funny tweet from somebody and they said uh they said can you just leave Hugh Jackman alone like he's going to have man. to just eat chicken and broccoli and work out just like uh, just let the guy retire but I think alone. it'll be awesome for him to come back and so they've done another video of like them like getting ready for it and stuff so yeah that that I think will be pretty awesome that's fun yeah yeah, I haven't. Work has been really busy. I haven't spent a lot of time. You know, I had the film festival thing that I did. So um, and that went well, right? Yeah, that went well. Uh, all local. Well, there was five films I showed. One of them was from the UK. Otherwise, they were all local. And I had uh, three of the filmmakers there to talk about it. And I really now, were they all from the previous festival in the spring yeah, or you yeah this one? was sort of best of this okay. was sort of best of the horror screening that that sold out in may um but on hall well the sunday before halloween this year october 30th i'm doing another one at that same bar new city brewery that is four new short horror films that weren't a part of the festival oh and cool they're really intense you you would really dig it. Maybe you and I can organize a screening where I stream some of them for you because that would be awesome. Yeah, one of them is about half an hour, and the other ones are all shorter. Um, but oh, there's one that's ten minutes long called "No No Signature Required." That is like, I think it's just so great. Mm. It's, I love short horror stuff. Yeah, and there's one called "Last Train" that's only three minutes long, and it doesn't need. You know, it's just very straightforward, mm. but it's really good. Mm. Really nice. good. So I've got all of those filmmakers coming to that one, and we're going to have a good talk back about that, too. Oh, cool. Well, that'll yeah, be cool. I mean, the the big one, the, the Girl in the Basement, is 30 minutes long, and I didn't want to include that in the festival because it was just a whole different... You know, horror has many different facets the genre mm. of horror and some of them were funny and some of them were a little disturbing and some of them were a bit of everything but there wasn't anything in that screening that was like leave a mark on you scary mm. um and girl in the basement it isn't so much that it's scary scary it's just really upsetting really oh really upsetting and grisly <laughs> And I just thought, I this is like a different animal. I can't just smurf that one in there with all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. But now I'm glad that I'm finally getting around to just showing it to the public. And yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's gonna be good. I I wish if I could clap my hands and have you be here with me, I would do it. Yeah, if I could teleport or something, it would be. They're perfect. gonna invent that technology the day we are officially too old to use it. We're like gonna day before yeah. we die. Yeah, they'll know they'll go. You know, they'll say, "But nobody over eighty," and you're like, oh, "I just turned eighty. Uh, if you're eighty, you like automatically break a hip or something. If you, yeah. Yeah, I um, I watched one new thing that I was a little bit disappointed on uh, Netflix. I think it hit last week. It's called The Midnight Club. Um this is one of these things where I never read any of these because I think they were geared towards more girls, but um, were you ever familiar with any of the Christopher Pike books? Did you ever read any of those or no. I think they were always like a notch or two above the goosebumps books. 
like a little more adult than those, but like sort of YA before YA even existed. So this one's called The Midnight Club. And I was kind of excited about it because I thought it was going to be an anthology, which is not what it turns out to be. It's it's about this girl who is, she's this teenage girl and everything's going well for her. And then she goes to a party, she's drinking and she passes out. And it turns out she has leukemia. And she goes to this uh, home, a hospice for other kids who are sick. And they tell, they, they meet in the basement like at midnight after, you know, all the people who work there are asleep and they tell uh, ghost stories. But I worked, I watched the first episode and it was basically like 50 minutes of stuff about sick kids and like five minutes of ghost stories I thought it was going to be kind of like, uh, sure. did you ever watch Are the, Are You Afraid of the Dark? No. So Are the Are You Afraid of the Dark was a Nickelodeon kind of uh, anthology where kids like, you know, they get together around a campfire and tell scary stories. And so, like I say, I thought it was going to be an anthology, but it seems like it's not. It's more about these kids, uh, these sick kids, and it's kind of more sort of like a drama or something. So... But in a week or two, we have, I know I sent you the trailer for, uh, I think it's called Cabinet of Curiosities, the Guillermo yes. del Toro. That's scary. Yeah. Uh, anthology. So I love anthology. So I'm ex- I'm excited for that. And it's a bunch of different. Yeah. I think he's producing it. It's a bunch of different big directors that, you know, he's gotten together to, yeah. to, to direct, you know, like one hour. That anthology. trailer looks really scary. Yeah. Yeah. So. And anything that Guillermo del Toro is involved in, I'm interested in. Yeah, so. yeah, really, really interesting vision on that guy. So let's circle back to uh, Werewolf, Werewolf by Night. So, what do you would you recommend this? Mm. I mean, I don't want to say no because I think if it's your cup of tea and you think it looks interesting, you'll probably find it. So, but um, I don't. I mean. I think it looked good and I don't it's not like I wish I had that hour of my life back but I I guess at the end of the day I felt kind of meh It is funny because it it when I I sent you the trailer for it and you were like that's kind of weird for Disney you know yeah. the because... trailer looks a lot edgier than I think the actual thing ended up feeling to me But even then I I like I don't know that this would be something for the whole family, you know, could, could parents watch this I mean, with their little kid. Yeah. It's pretty violent. I mean, other, there's you know? people getting killed in this. It's a little cartoon violence, but still somebody gets shot with a crossbow and doesn't somebody's arm get chopped off. And yeah. Yeah. Which felt very star Wars to me, you know, yeah. the original star Wars. Yeah. Um, so it might be a little too intense for kids. Like I say, I liked it. I liked the the black and white uh, universal monsters aspect of it. And just, I was kind of happy for Marvel to do something different because I, I have never gotten around to watching uh, is the final end game is the final Avengers movie, right? Yeah. And I was on vacation and just randomly didn't have any Netflix or anything like that. And on cable, I caught some of 
end game. And I was just kind of like, this just seems very CGI, you know, and all that. So to, to see something, you know, the, the man thing you could tell was a G CGI creation, but um, the rest of it felt, you know, they, they built some nice sets and everything for this. So it just, it was a little refreshing to me where it was just not the same Marvel thing over again, you know? Yeah, I do. I'm not going to contradict that. I just, I, I think I noted all that and I agree with all that. And I just didn't interest me watching. It was, it was very slight. I mean, there's not, there's not really a whole lot to it. It just felt like a one-off comic issue. Yeah. And the action sequences are not so, you know, it's not crouching tiger, hidden dragon. The action sequences are not so, compelling in and of themselves that like if you don't care about the characters then they don't stand up on their own you know those, those and these are all characters that we you know average audiences unless you are very into all the comic lore the average audience doesn't know who any of these people are right right so i mean that's kind of where i was with it Mm -hmm. I don't want to hate on it, but hmm. yeah. Another one we, you and I have talked about, um, just kind of texted back and forth. So neither of us have seen any of Andor. That's true. Um, although I've heard a lot of people talking about it, um, I will probably get around to checking that out. I think I'm just having a little fatigue with all of these extended universe. Like they keep cranking it out for the audience that they perceive is gobbling it up and can't get enough of it. And I mean, I assume that audience exists or they wouldn't keep throwing money at, at expanding their various universes, but I don't really count myself among that audience at the moment. Uh, yeah. A lot of what I've seen from people saying they love and or is they're saying they love it because it's, unlike any other star wars thing and i i'll probably sound a little bit hypocritical where i'm saying that i want different stuff with marvel but i don't know that i want different star wars stuff yeah. you know the the things that i i mean it's literally Disney... the same characters of rogue one right so i mean isn't it like rogue one yeah yeah but the since disney has taken over the stuff that I have really enjoyed is all the nods to what came before, you know, right. which, you know, the Mandalorian and baby Yoda are new characters, but they also feel very much, you know, they're like baby Yoda is similar to Yoda and the Mandalorian is similar to Boba Fett. Right. So I don't know that I want different stuff with Star Wars. You know? Right. Yeah, I mean, and then there's a certain point at which you're like, well, I'm 50. I'm not six yeah. anymore. And... <laughs> but I mean, there was a period where Jim Carrey was making movie after movie, and I was a huge fan of Jim Carrey, and I just got to the point where I got tired of seeing Jim Carrey, which is not mm -hmm. the same thing as being like, this latest movie is not good. I'm just like, I think I've got a little Jim Carrey fatigue. It's mm -hmm. as so I feel like I have a little Star Wars fatigue and I have a little Marvel fatigue. For sure, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not, if they're like a new chapter of the thing you've never heard about, I'm kind of like, well. 
So oh, yeah, you, I just kind of feel like you pick and choose. Like I watched. Did you ever finish Moon Knight? No. Yeah, I didn't either. I watched. Just like it, I just it never really sunk its hooks in me. And I loved Mar- uh, Moon Knight as a character in the comics, so I was kind of excited for that. But I was also there were rumors of Daniel Radcliffe playing Moon Knight, and I think I would have liked that better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did we ever talk about the Weird Al movie? Have we talked about that? No, but that looks great. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. I think we should do that for the show because I think that's right around Christmas time. Okay. I think we should do that because that's look like a lot of fun. I'm going to watch that for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Weird Al Yankovic. And that's one of the things I love with Daniel Radcliffe where it's like he's made so much money that he can just do whatever he wants. Yeah, and you he's know. good. Yeah. He's like he's a one-trick pony. Like he Did you see people. Switch Army Man? Uh, no, I didn't, but I heard oh, a lot. You should watch that. That's a good yeah. movie. Um, Yeah, and I, I think he likes to do kind of weird off-the-wall stuff, and he's he's carved in it. You know, it's not like he did one or two of those projects that tanked, and that was it for his career. He still has a thriving career doing and he's good in these weird off the wall things so did you see the one i forget what it was called where he had the guns fused to his hands did you see that one no oh i'll have to look that up to see what that was that was pretty good no i'm i'm talking and i'm realizing maybe i haven't seen much of his other work Mm -hmm. but yeah um yeah i don't have i don't have much more to say I, i let's call this relatively early sure yeah um chris and chris talk movies at gmail.com that's our handle we're on the socials please like and subscribe that's good for us and uh uh leave us a comment the you know ask us a question suggest something we should do on the show i think uh for next episode we're going to talk about star crash uh 70s um star wars knockoff that I only recently became aware of. So I think that'll be kind of interesting. You can check that out. I think that's available on free streaming services. Um, I watched it on Tubi. Tubi. Yeah. So um, join us for that one. And I guess unless you have uh, anything that you would like to add. No, I think that's it. Then we will talk to you next week.